Blog Talk Radio. on Blog Talk Radio Nation. You are tuned into the cutting room floor. I am LeVar, and it is so good to be back with you after getting, I would say, cut off for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, for our studios and where we are at, uh, we had some powerful storms come through the Midwest here in Chicago a few weeks ago. Pretty much knocked us off the air, blew out our signal, blew out our modem, and... uh, Went through a little bit of heck, but we are uh, short-patched uh, for as for now, and uh, hopefully uh, we are kind of back on schedule because we've missed a couple of weeks, and we've missed you. We hope you missed us. Um, I We're still in the process of trying to get our website updated, but if you want to go through there to get through to our website, uh, of course you can catch us there and in a lot of places. On Twitter you can catch us at newscommentbtr. On our official website, which is powered by Wix.com, which is newscommentbtr.wix.com forward slash fan page. And there you will also get access to where we are at in regards to our show email, which is newscommentbtr at yahoo.com. Or it will link you also to our main page over on Blog Talk Radio, as well as to iTunes. And if you forgot, we are available on iTunes, all for the low, low cost of Free, which is awesome. So you can pick up all of our shows, and uh, we are working on a couple of big shows here. And as we especially head toward November, I am remiss if I mention 9-3, September 3rd, which I can start to give you a little bit of what's going to happen. Uh, we kind of went away from what we were doing here, news and comment, and which was news uh, for a long time. One of our uh, showcase shows also was Eye on Hollywood. And we're hoping to combine the two on Mondays for you, time to be announced soon, uh, where it will be 15 minutes of news and comment and commentary, and then uh, the other quarter hour we'll have Eye on Hollywood, where we'll have the latest Hollywood news for you. And in some weeks we may switch out, and we may change it with different shows, we may do different things, but we're going to hopefully be here a few more times for you throughout the week to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. But I wanted to kind of go into... um, the first story, which was actually bought up by my wonderful co-host Mary, and it was an article that came out a while ago. And it, well, well, not a while ago, but it actually caught fire uh, overseas. And it was a newspaper article, uh, and it went viral on Facebook. It was a post from a New Zealand school newsletter clipping, and it had well over 10,000 shares Uh, on a local radio station there alone. And the advice uh, came from a principal who was quoting a judge who regularly deals with youth. And the judge was aiming to answer questions in the vein of what can I do and where can I go. And the responses to this clip have reached uh, enthusiastic approval with people saying they're going to print it out and post it on their refrigerator, as well as disapproval with others deeming it far too harsh and old-school authoritarian. 
and the latter would be the result of the line where a judge says to stop being a crybaby pretty much and develop a backbone instead of a wishbone. And for those who were suggesting that the advice was outdated, there's a good explanation. If the Pierce County Tribune is correct, these words would date back to 1959. Yes, that is correct. According to a 2010 post on the newspaper's website, staff members came across a clipping with a letter from Judge Philip B. Gilliam of Denver, Colorado, published on December 17, 1959. The website seemed to suggest that the letter originally appeared in the South Bend Tribune a few weeks earlier. Now, the full text of what may be the original letter can be found on the Pierce County Tribune's website, and it ends with different words than those presently circulating on the web, ones that might cause more of a stir. I would probably go through it, um, but... Uh, pretty much in this thing, it says, pretty much part of it was, you're supposed to be mature enough to accept some of the responsibility your parents have carried for years. They have nursed, protected, helped, appealed, begged, excused, tolerated, and denied themselves needed comfort so that you can have every benefit. This they have done gladly, for you are their dearest treasure. But now you have no right to expect them to bow to every whim and fancy just because selfish ego instead of common sense dominates your personality, thinking, and request. In heaven's name, grow up and go home. And I guess the question that we were going to say tonight was that even in 2012, if this is correct, and this is from 1959, even in 2012, would such a message be, uh, I guess, deemed too harsh? Now, I know nowadays we all try to protect our kids. I don't have kids. Uh, my co-host does, and... She would be the perfect person to probably uh, answer if it was. But I would think that in today's society, especially how kids are and the fact that, you know, I saw something the other day where they said that we coddle them too much, that they uh, sometimes probably are too overprotected by us in this society. And, you know, the things that we kind of had to learn, the things that our parents told us kind of made us a little bit more thick-skinned. And I guess the message now is, is a message like this, and if you've read the whole thing, and we are going to try to post it to either our Twitter page or over on our website if we can get it over there, but it's a great message. And uh, I looked at it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, I'm going to try and pull it up here while I'm talking to you, but I didn't see much wrong with it. I actually thought that it's something that a lot of kids today could probably – pretty much go to and um it pretty much uh like i said this judge he pulls no punches uh it says the open letter to a teenager and before i kind of gave you the uh the different part of that he talks about uh, uh the cry of the teenager what can we do where can we go and he says you know hang the storm windows which a lot of kids wouldn't do now paint the woodwork rake the leaves mow the lawn shovel the walk wash the car learn to cook scrub some floors Repair the sink, build a boat, get a job. He says, help that minister, priest, or rabbi, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, visit the sick, assist the poor, study your lessons, and then when you are through and not too tired, read a book. Your parents do not owe you entertainment. Your city or village does not owe you recreational facilities. The world does not owe you a living. You owe the world something. You owe it your time and your energy and your talent so that no one will be at war or in poverty or sick or lonely again. And then he kind of says, grow up, quit being a crybaby, get out of your dream world, and develop a backbone, not a wishbone, and start acting like a man or lady. 
You're supposed to be mature enough to accept some of the responsibility your parents have carried for years. And, uh, you know, and then it kind of goes into the point where he says they've nursed and protected and everything else. And, and it is very interesting that, you know, this letter kind of would relate to now. There are a lot of teens who do, or a lot of kids who expect, you know, I have nieces and nephews, and sometimes the thing is is that I think where I kind of <laughs> say that great disconnect between probably my generation and theirs is that they expect a lot of things to happen. I have friends with kids who go through and expect to be able to go to the mall with their friends on Friday. They don't check with you. They expect that that's going to happen. They make their own plans. And they, when it comes to actually doing some of the things that make the world a better place, they kind of shirk that duty. They go away from it, and they don't follow through on it, thus the problems that we have now. And I actually think a message like this is wonderful for the kids of the day. And if they have a chance to read it, maybe, just maybe, it will touch someone to trying to make a better change for the world. So I don't actually have an issue with this whole thing. It actually is a great message. And like I said, we're going to try to post this on our website and tell us what you think. Is this message, is it a little outdated? Is it a little too harsh? Would you actually tell your kids the same thing? I don't think the message would be far off from what a lot of parents are doing right now and what they are telling their kids to do or not to do. So it's actually a great thing there. But, um, yeah, definitely tell us what you think on that. And like I said, share your comments and suggestions. And also, we are on Facebook as well. And if you did not know that, that's over at uh, News and uh, Comment Network Blog Talk Radio. And you can join us on Facebook. Now, I know we had the question, are you going to get Instagram and all this other stuff? No, there are no plans for that or Google Plus at this time. <laughs> I've got enough to deal with with the other websites, but uh, hopefully you can catch that up and let us know what you think. And our other story this week, one that was quite interesting, and it kind of made me ill. <laughs> I am a huge fan of the movie A Christmas Story. I read this story yesterday from Movie Talk on Yahoo. And in case you're feeling really from disbelief, the 1983 holiday classic A Christmas Story has in fact been made into a sequel. I'm going to repeat myself. A Christmas Story 2 has been made into a sequel. A Christmas Story 2 is going straight to DVD and Blu-ray on October 30th and it's available just days before the debut of the Broadway musical based on the original story of little uh, 40s-era Ralphie and his Christmas wo- time woes. Now, the film sequel follows Ralphie as a teenager. He no longer yearns for a Red Ryder BB gun, but now wants a 1938 Hot Skyline convertible. There are a few things that haven't changed. Triple dog dares and the fact that the old man, Ralphie's dad, is still obsessed with that fishnet stocking-adorned leg lamp. Now, Christmas Story 2 stars Daniel Stern from Home Alone and City Slickers fame as the crotchety, lightning fixture fixated dad, and Ralphie is played by accomplished child actor uh, Bradim Lamasters, who is also in Men of a Certain Age and Easy A. And like the original, uh, the sequel was based on the writing of the late Gene Shepard. Shepard's stories about the Parker family have usually uh, been used several times in much lesser-known movies, a Christmas Story was made into a sequel in 1994's My Summer Story, which was also known as It Runs in the Family, starring Kieran Culkin, um, 
PBS also aired a series of three television movies based on Shepard's stories, uh, including uh, Oliver, Ollie Hop Noodles Having a Bliss. And, um, of course, the fun fact is that Shepard provided narration as the adult Ralphie in A Christmas Story, and Stern, who plays the dad in the upcoming sequel, is also a famous narrator of a young boy's tale. Of course, he was the voice of the adult Kevin Arnold in the late 80s, early 90s television show The Wonder Years. And uh, A Christmas Story 2, actually, will be among the final slate of direct-to-DVD offerings from Warner Brothers as the powerhouse movie studio, which was responsible for theatrical hits, including The Dark Knight Rises, which earned nearly $835 million worldwide, is shutting down its business responsible for direct-to-DVD productions. According to The Wrap, the company is, quote, citing a decline in the direct-to-video film market. Now, I've got to say, after all of that, it's no wonder there's a decline in the direct-to-video market, because usually we all know that the direct-to-video movies that come out pretty much are crap. There's no hiding around that. There's no sugarcoating it. It's crap. But I guess my question here <laughs> to all of you, and if you were watching at home, is <laughs> at this point, are you appalled? And what other movies should never ever have a sequel? And what sequel uh, that has been made has made you cringe? And I thought about this, and, you know, we can have our topics and discussions on movies. And we've had them here before in the show. Just had one a few weeks ago on our last show about the five best movies of all time. I would hope that there's no Casablanca 2 or there's no uh, other movies or sequels that are made or prequels. We don't need it. You know, The Godfather, a lot of people said that one was good, two was okay. Some people don't like The Godfather 2. And then Godfather 3, some said it was too much. And then at that point, you had, for me, I think the sequel that made me change was probably The Blues Brothers 2. It actually made me cringe. Yes, it did. I don't think there was a need for it. I think without John Belushi, it pretty much kind of sucked. But a lot of people liked it. Some people don't. And I'm one of those people where I, it was one of those things where I was sad to see it made. It would be like if somebody tried to make a brand new airplane. You just can't. They made Soul Plane. didn't go over too well. But um, I don't know if that's one of those things that would work. And... On the line is a familiar voice. How are you? I'm good. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> it's all right. We were just sitting here talking about A Christmas Story 2. Oh, yes. That horrendous thing that they're doing, the the sequel to a classic that should not be ruined. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I said for me the worst sequel I think that I thought should not have been made was Blues Brothers 2. You just can't replicate what was done in the first one. <laughs> this so, is true. Yeah. This is true. Although Speed 2 was probably just as horrendous. Yeah, that one too. You know, it, it's, it's you could the list goes on and on. And I was like, you know, there's a reason to direct the DVD market does not work, and it is because pretty much uh, the movies that come out on direct the DVD is usually crap. <laughs> so, um, usually. Usually. Usually, but uh, but yeah. So those were pretty much kind of like crappy movies, which never really work out well. But uh, 
kind of going to the next story, and it's one that I wanted to pick up on because we did not have a chance to talk about this a few weeks ago. And um, so I wanted to talk about it now. And there are two reality shows. Well, one that's coming out, one that is already out. I have not seen it. Um, The one reality show that is already out started a few weeks ago. um, And, you know, I think I get more disturbed when I, you know, already the teen pregnancy rates, well, even though it's at a historic low, you wouldn't know it by watching reality TV. You know, you have TLC and, and you have MTV, you know, uh, Teen Mom and 16 and Pregnant and whatever else. But now TLC has a spinoff uh, show off of all of that called My Teen is Pregnant and So Am I. Now, the program, which airs on Wednesday nights, uh, follows two pairs of moms and daughters who are pregnant at the same time. Uh, one of the stories uh, from the first show was about Liz, who was 36, and her daughter Anne, who was 17, of Oklahoma City. And he said the experience brought them closer together. Uh, Kristen, uh, yeah, uh, Kristen, 17, of Greenville, North Carolina, finds that her news triggers explosive anger in a family that stretched thin. Her pregnant mom, Melissa, 40, already has eight children. And um, I don't know. First of all, I... I <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with this without being controversial, but I think I've now seen enough, and I think this is probably the depth of reality TV. I don't know if it's something that I really want to watch. I mean, if you perhaps, you know, were in this mom's shoes and your daughter is pregnant too, do you really want to... Parade that on TV? Okay, two things. One, that'll never happen. Never. Even if, God forbid, my daughter was not smart enough to not get pregnant before she became an adult, I would not be getting pregnant at 50. (laughs) Okay. So let's kibosh that right there. To hell no. That would be a, a no, no, no. And I'm going to try to say this word because it, it's going to make Lavar laugh. I vehemently say no. <laughs> I said it right. I no. It's it's disgusting. It's disturbing. It's insane. It's unfortunately, it's teen moms having their teen daughters get pregnant and then them getting pregnant at the same time. It just, I, I just, <sighs> grr. Because what? The oldest, okay, you said one was 17 and one was 40, so that made her 23 when she had her baby. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she wasn't a teen mom. But still, you're going to have another baby at 40? That means you're going to be 60 when they turn 20. Yeah. 60 when they turn 20. When they start to learn to drive, you're going to be in your, you're going to be getting close to retirement when you're teaching this child how to drive. That's ridiculous. There should be an age limit, people, where you could stop having children. I'm not saying that there are there are plenty of people that are in their 30s and in their getting close to 40 that are just starting families and they're doing it in the right way. But if you have a teenage daughter, you've already done your family. You should stop. Really, 
you should stop. That's on the mom's side. On the daughter's side, you should not be happy that your teenage daughter is pregnant. Look, we're pregnant at the same time. We can buy matching maternity clothes. What? That <laughs> just that that disturbs me to no end. Why would you be happy that your teenage daughter is ruining her life? Yeah. And I really think it's a ruined life. I really do because they are not old enough to drink yet. They're not. Some of them, in, in some cases, are not old enough to vote. Some of them are not even finished with school. These are the people that we're going to have with children growing up and making decisions for the country, for the world. Why would you want to be okay with that? Supportive, yes. I'm not saying don't be supportive. You're a mother. I I can't even describe how supportive I would be. But don't be happy and don't go to MTV or TLC or Hallmark, for heaven's sakes, and say, hey, I want to be on TV because that's BS. Yeah, it it is. But you know what? I would almost rather watch that one than this next story that I'm going to talk about. Uh, This also was a few weeks ago, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But for those of you who feel a morbid curiosity when it comes to Courtney Stodden, the 17-year-old bride of 52-year-old B-list actor Doug Hutchinson, B-list, more like Z-list, you now rejoice. The aspiring actress has finally landed her own reality television show, a goal that the... Stodden, ever since uh, saying I do to Hutchinson one year ago, has been looking for. And Stodden's mother and manager, Krista Keller, told Celeb Buzz, quote, people are going to be very excited. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, to see Daisy Dukes and uber-tight <laughs> tank tops. <laughs> and uh, she also confirmed... I've become a spinster. Yes. She also confirmed to the publication that filming would last three weeks at an undisclosed location. Uh, Stodden uh, was usually in her unusually restrained about the details on Twitter, uh, saying, uh, FYI, Stodnistas. See, whenever you get people, you're calling people after your name or some part of it, yeah, it's, that's bad. She says, we'll be MIA for about three weeks, packing up and heading out to shoot a reality show. Love you all. God bless Courtney. And now, I don't have to tell you about the story of Stodden and Hutchinson, who married in August of 2011, despite a 35-year age difference, and the fact that Stodden was just 16 years old. And, uh, yeah, Hutchinson was in the Green Mile, lost, blah, 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 no word whether he'll have a role in Stodden's reality show. If they're smart, they probably won't put him on there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, and I know people are like, LeVar, you're so harsh. I've had my own run-ins with Doug. I think I talked about it in the past, but uh, I will not go into it. But, uh, yeah, I had to say not interested. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's for the eye candy that probably is of a 30-year-old girl, because I have no belief that she's 16, 17. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Perhaps she is. uh, She said she is, so I'm going to believe her on that. But, yeah, I... Yeah, judgment is uh, some. Yeah, there's a quote about judgment. You know, look at what. Yeah, not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, and then finally, you know, on this show we've talked about. Um, I think just a few weeks ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. When we talked about Ryan Lockie, the swimmer, uh, we talked about how at that time his mother had kind of let slip something about him just being more mm-hmm. or less a one night stand type of guy. Well, out comes this article now, and it pretty much uh, talks about the benefits of casual sex. Now, we've only got six minutes to talk about this, so I'm going to try and be quick. 
But, of course, there's a taboo associated due to the risk of, of course, STDs, unplanned pregnancy, all that good stuff. But uh, it says having sex solely for sex sake can be a healthy way to express your sexuality. Learn about your body and experiment in bed. This, according to Ian Kerner, uh, Ph.D., who's the author of She Comes First. <laughs> I like that title. Uh, Toby Holton works of betting down safely with a handsome stranger. And this kind of comes more from the female point of view, but also it mixes in a little bit of man, men's point of view, too. But it says you learn to ask for what you want. And it says one-night stands don't guarantee the possibility of a do-over if you want him to uh, stoke you in, stroke you in a certain way. Stoke or stroke, whatever you want to use. Our Jones is a trial to new position. Now's the time to speak up. There's no reason to be shy about what you like with a casual sex partner since you're not planning on seeing each other again. Uh, then it also said you won't stress about your body. It's common to worry about how you look in the sack, but since one night stands are solely about sex, it's safe to assume that your partner is more happy with uh, more than happy with your body after all. Isn't physical attraction while you're in bed together? And um, it research has shown that uh, when women are really turned on, uh, their amygdala, the section of the brain involved in spurting out anxious thoughts, gets partially turned off. Um, but it also says that uh, things like that, when people are entangled emotionally, they worry more about their partner's experience than their own, but when there's lust, the only thing left to focus on is having fun. And the perk to that. Uh, is that you could be more likely to orgasm. Uh, then it says he's likely to be hot from the women's point of view. It says if you think that women are willing to engage in one-night stands or just out to satisfy a need, any old guy will suffice, think again. No, said, uh, they say. Uh, research conducted at Bruno University in London says uh, when scientists ask men and women to imagine being propositioned by random people, ranging from slightly unattractive to exceptionally unattractive, women are likely to accept a raunchy invitation primarily from the best-looking men. One possible re- reason women hold their flings to such high standards, subconsciously she may recognize that his good genes may lead to producing healthy offspring, even if she's only with him for one night. And then another one was about caring about somebody calling, but uh, at the end of the day, you read the article, young lady. Uh, mm-hmm. Does that change your thoughts about your comments here a few weeks ago about Ryan Lockie being a one-night stand type of guy? No, not completely. I mean, I, I I agree with some of the things that it said in the article, and I am happily proven wrong on some of the finer points of our discussion. But, no, not really. I mean, maybe it's a personal thing. I'm just not one of those people. So, but then again, why not? People are doing it, so why not? I mean, not in the bad pun um but people are out there trying to figure out i mean a lot of relationships start with that one night that just turns into a weekend that turns into hey wait i want to call you or hey i really like you i don't think that's a good way to start a relationship with anyone so with that in mind take heed if it's going to be one of those i'm going to get out and get some of mine then go out and get yours and then be done with it but I don't think people really can shut that off as much as people say they can. Gotcha. And maybe I'm old-fashioned. Maybe I'm a hopeless romantic. Maybe there's a million things that are in there that I just don't understand. Or, you know, maybe I should go out and try it and see how it feels. But I'm just not that person. So I can't see how it's beneficial to anyone. Yes. Me thinks you have your head in the right place. 
me thinks. Very good. <laughs> Pray tell. <laughs> I do have you How dusty. Yeah, Speak so eloquently. Um, no, I just yeah, I, and maybe that's just the way it is. And then of course there's the whole um, side issue too. I think that one night stands are way easier for someone that's younger, single, and does not have baggage, which would knock out all those teen moms that are getting pregnant. Yeah, pretty much. Then again, that's probably how they get pregnant in the first place. That's a side issue. Um, but yeah, no, somebody that's younger. I mean, like I'm obviously you know somebody who's something. And I'm going to be 35, and I have a daughter, so that's baggage. And I'm not going to be able to just go out and have a fling and be okay. You know, I I don't get that kind of time. Yeah. And when I do get that time, I, it's precious to me. So I want it to be something special, not just some kind of roll in the hay and some fling. I, that's, I, I, that's the way I look at it. So if you're young and carefree and single and have no baggage, then... By all means, live vicariously. I agree. Now, if it were Kate Upton, Kate, whatever you want to do. Exactly. Um, there are certain people that I will make exceptions for. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, always exceptions. But we'll have to leave those exceptions for another day because the clock on the wall is telling us that our time is up. Any shout-outs this week? No shout-outs this week. I do apologize for being late. Had a minor family emergency. Right at 8 o'clock, of course. <laughs> No, no, things happen, things happen. We're all here, and they, and I I pretty much, you know, put most of the people to sleep, and they woke up when you came back on. So, Yay! You're all napping. So <laughs> 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 with that, that's that our time is up. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in, everybody. And, of course, we will, God willing, if <laughs> everything's up and running again. But thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you then. Spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.